welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Pottercast. Woohoo! Yay! Woo-hoo. John, Noe, and, and Sue here. That's right. Hello, everyone. Our poor little friend, Melissa, got a ghoul in her computer. Boo. So she Eves. is computerless, sadly. But she'll be joining us, of course, next week. But we have a fun little show for you this week. And I do mean little show. We have a fan interview and a can of conundrums and some, you know, nonsense talking with Sue yeah. and I. But <laughs> Who was? <laughs> no. <laughs> but no. We've got some pretty good segments. The fan interview is all about a rhythm scene with a... Yeah. Kimmy Blair uh, conducted this uh, interview. It's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. That's Hermione's favorite subject, isn't it? Her, Little master. Definitely one of them. Hermione, I think, her favorite is about every subject. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Sans the one that we talked about in the canon conundrums. Ooh, that's true. Um, Which is what? With uh, Miss uh, Professor Trelawney and the <laughs> subject awesome. of divination and whether or not Trelawney is a fraud. Ooh. We have uh, quite a bit in the news, uh, mm-hmm. I think, this week, right, Sue? Yes, we do. We but, do. But first, let's hear a little bit about our sponsor this week, Sue. Today's Pottercast is brought to you by Borders, your home for all sorts of spellbinding books, enchanting music, and magical movies. Pottercast listeners can enjoy 30% off any item at Borders by clicking the Borders coupon link at pottercast.com. Visit borderstores.com to locate the borders nearest you. Excellent. And while we have you working here, Sue, let's hear some of the news. Well, there's more on the upcoming Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which tops our news this week, as we heard from director David Yates. In a preview with Empire Magazine, David Yates comments about the length of the fifth Potter film, which is currently completing production in England. Mr. Yates says, quote, The book's huge, but it actually distills quite easily. That said, I've shot a movie that's probably over three hours, so I'll have to lose 45 minutes in the edit. End quote. Oh. You can see more from this issue of Empire by clicking on leakynews.com for more. Earlier this week, we learned of filming still ongoing for Order of the Phoenix, and we saw some new unofficial photos taken at the site of this filming, which was held near Westminster Tube Station in London. These photos show our first look at Arthur Weasley in his full muggle clothing. (laughs) She looks great, and Harry does as well, as they enter the phone box to dial magic, which, of course, is the proper way to enter the Ministry of Magic. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix is due in theaters next July. In conjunction with the premiere of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire on HBO, the cable station has now launched an online contest to win tickets for four to the premiere of Order of the Phoenix next July. Open to U.S. residents ages 18 and older, you can enter this contest once daily, so be sure and check that out. One final bit of film news now, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire was nominated for a kid's BAFTA as Best Feature Film. The British Academy Children's Film and Television Awards will be presented on Sunday, November 26th in England. Congratulations! Turning to book news now, we saw a video interview with author J.K. Rowling when she appeared on the 60 Minutes news program back in 2002. This interview has now been put online, and while it is old, it does contain a fascinating conversation with Joe about the characters, where Hogwarts is supposed to be, and why Hermione is based on her, and there's even quick glimpses of those famous notebooks. Very cool stuff indeed. To watch this excellent interview, you can click on leakynews.com or check out our video galleries as well. 
And now back to the show we go. Awesome. That is some good stuff this week, Stu. Yeah, there is. But I tell you, that David Yates has just created a, a storm with his comments about from Empire Magazine that he made about the length of the movie. Ah, uh, yes. <sighs> oh, yes. You know, they're not even done shooting the film, folks. This is true. They're close, but yeah, they still have more to do. I mean, he's prob- probably looking at what he has scheduled to be shooting. Yeah. All right, but I mean, you know, okay, so he said they'd have to lose 45 minutes in the edit. So that, but that's not set in stone. No yeah. film is ever, he's going to say, it has to be two minutes and 15 seconds right on the nose, you know? I mean, it, saying, saying it the way he did makes it sound like he's not entirely certain when he said that where exactly he's going to be pulling all of that material from. So they could come to a point where they watch it and they're like, you know what, this just doesn't flow. We have yeah. to put more back in, and you'd have to figure there's going to be some room for some leeway there. You can shoot as much as you want. Just because he said he shot over three hours, he's probably shot even more than that. Oh, hell, they always make lots. little. Yeah, you know. So, I mean, I just think people should not panic yet. Sure. You know? And and but also gives me hope on the other end that extended DVDs oh, could yes. be possible. Exactly. <laughs> you watch your little ABC cuts. With the mm-hmm. big, big extended editions, you gotta hope right. one day those are gonna make it to DVD. I know. I mean, you know, John and I are both big, huge fans of film, as, as yes. everybody knows, and we all are. And 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 this has like been our thing. We talk about it on our DVD commentaries and stuff. We just would love to see those extended things. In. I, I know. mean, could you imagine forty-five yeah. minutes more? But <sighs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the shooting it is the hard part, and shooting it. With the intention of one day extending the movie, if mm-hmm. if at least you have the recorded stuff, because that's something you can't f- fake and go back and do again, because your actors have all grown up. But if you have to go back and you know actually add the special effects and add everything to those sh- uh, to that film, that would make it complete mm-hmm. shots. You're able right. to do that whenever you'd like to, and probably as the years go by, you, you have more and more capabilities to add. Uh, right, to those shots, right. um, so at least we have that that f- stuff filmed, which is right. which is better than them saying, "Well, we're not even going to film this stuff because it's going to make too long of a movie." They at least evidently filmed more so, than they realized that they could have used. Right. Right, and and you know we don't know from like early on how exactly how much like the earlier films they shot, but this is I thought this was really really encouraging that Yates has openly said that he shot this much. You know, sure. I mean, so I was for I think I think fans should be heartened by this as opposed to being oh it's gonna stink they're not gonna have all caps hairy yeah. or they're not gonna have <laughs> you know all these scenes and and you know I think they I think they are gonna I don't I don't know I think that they'll have. Some, but you know, I mean, fans, you know, I can understand why people want everything in. I would love to have seen the Quidditch match. I wanted to see Weasley as our king, you know, of course, yeah. but I know those were some tough decisions they made. And, but I, uh, you know, come on, folks. This is, yeah. this is possible. Well, we know that they, there is more stuff that was shot for the first few movies than ever made it to a deleted scene right, or to an right. extended edition because the directors have talked about how there had always been right. more. And, a lot of a lot of those shots just hadn't been finished. But like like, like right. I said, it's much easier to finish something that has been shot than trying to add a scene that was never shot down the road. Right, right, exactly. 
I think that's a good point too. So, I mean, look how much the technology has changed. I mean, we've seen it just in the, in the you know, the, the years that the movies have come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not talking about the, the director itself. Just the technology is just amazing. Absolutely. You know? So, folks, let's hold on. But, you know, one scene that we do know that they have filmed uh-huh. because we saw pictures of of Arthur Weasley. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's such a cool scene for them to put in there. Isn't it? We saw new photos. They were filming recently at outside of actually the Westminster tube station, the underground railroad station. Okay. And, and they filmed, and, and it turns out that this phone box, they filmed the f- phone box scene where Harry and Arthur go to take uh, Harry for his trial at the ministry. And they have to go through the phone box, of course, to dial the secret code to get in. Mm-hmm. And so we saw Arthur in his muggle clothing. And I just, I loved it. It was great. Harry in his <laughs> muggle clothing. Oh, was it Harry or was it Clark Kent? Uh, <laughs> it could be either or. I think they I think they own both those franchises. I think so, maybe so. But oh man, the talk about his hairstyle, folks. You know, I no, mean, I the hair looked, again. Oh man. No, the dreaded H word yeah. resurface, you know. But it was so funny because I you know, it looked like to me because you know in the books, Molly tries I I know it's all sticking up, but she tries to brush it down and you know, make them look so. So it makes sense that it's parted and a little different, but maybe it'll gradually, as the scene goes, become untidy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I just thought it was so cool because they used one of those actual phone boxes. You know, yeah. I just I enjoyed that. I just thought it was just hilarious. And Arthur had his little little hat on. I just was loving that. So that that gave me a lot of yeah. I was happy about that. See, and that's fun because it's it's fun stuff that isn't. You would think that that kind of thing would get cut, like watching them in the tubes right. and all that. They could have skipped right, right. along and shown them in the phone exactly. booth. And that would have mm-hmm. been it. Because they shot a scene with Harry and Hagrid in the tubes, at least what I yeah. think was the tubes, for the first right. film, and that was a deleted mm-hmm. scene. But they right. did shoot mm-hmm. it that time, so... So it's cool that they were back again. Yeah. So that must have, I just thought that was really cool, you know, so. And let's see, there's one other thing. Oh, well, Rupert, Rupert has been here in the States and he's been given lots of video interviews. Oh, and yeah. We saw him, <laughs> we saw him bowling. He's you know, a he busy did one. <laughs> but he said he has to go back and, and film yet still. But I, I thought that was kind of cute to, to watch him, you know. Yeah. How often does he get out here? I don't. I don't remember. I don't, know. I don't often see stories of the trio coming out as far as, you know, California. I don't know, but he's been here for almost, well, a little over a week. He's making the rounds. I mean, he's been up, like, you know, in Chicago, and then he was out in California. Now, then he did this video in Dallas. So that's a pretty big swing yeah, definitely. around the country, you know? So that's well, good for him. Cool. Yeah, he's got, yeah. he's got lots of work to do pushing the other film, too, and everything else. And- yeah. Well, he did talk about that he would be back, though, for, you know, Half-Blood Prince film, and, oh, and he wants to be back for Book 7. So, I mean, you know, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to. No. So, no, but wouldn't it be funny if he doesn't come back to the seventh film, and, like, that's the year that they get the screenwriter who makes Ron, like, the most heroic possible character, and gives him all the good lines, and it gives them... To make up for exactly. those... Exactly. <laughs> they give it to <laughs> some random red-headed kid who comes out of nowhere... <laughs> like what happened to Ron? Who's this guy? He doesn't even act like Ron. Ron acts like he's got a stomachache. Oh, that be... that's no, that's not Rupert's fault. I know, I know. We know, but you know Sadness. whose fault that is. Sadness. Sadness. Who makes a sad panda? <laughs> the whole crew is sad pandas. <laughs> oh man. Um, so Wait, anything funny, else but... going on this week? 
Um, yes, one other thing. So you can see that video of, of Rupert in our video galleries, and you can also see an older video of Joe that she, when she appeared on, um, 60 Minutes back in 2002, when she talks, it was a really good interview, and she talks about where she, you know, the creation of the characters and where Hogwarts is supposed to be and how Hermione is based on her. And so these videos that just appeared online, and they're really good, and you can actually yeah. see, like, Really good glimpses of those notebooks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just like want to freeze the video yes. and like zoom in as close as you can, you know. <laughs> oh I, no! I heard if you watch the video in our own exclusive uh, video galleries, and mm -hmm. if you watch it long enough, or you happen to uh, come in at a certain time of the day, the notebooks uh -huh. are actually more clear, and you can Ooh. actually read the notebooks. Magic. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think you should try coming back to the video galleries at all points and times of the day, seeing <laughs> if it works for you. Very subtle. I love that. <laughs> Let's try it. <laughs> Just give it a shot. Why not? Can't yeah. hurt. <laughs> uh, I, think we, I think we need to um, hand the mic over to Kimmy here so we can hear I think so a little too. more about something else. crazy. <laughs> okay. See ya. Right. See you soon, guys. corner a one-on-one -on -one interview with a new lucky fan each week not me not Hermione you hello this is Kimberly Blair otherwise known as Kimmy Blair throughout the forums and I am here today to interview Varza who is known as Silly Putty throughout the forums um, about a topic that JK Rowling has introduced into the books but not really talked much about so hopefully you can help us get a better understanding of what it is how are you doing today I'm doing wonderful how about you Doing great. Um, now, for those of us who don't know what arithmancy is, do you just want to start off with a brief definition of it? Okay. Uh, arithmancy is a Greek form of divination by numbers. Um, it's the practice of assigning numbers to letters of the alphabet and using those letters to find out the numbers to predict the future and to foretell what a person's supposed to be like. So it's commonly known as numerology in today's society. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that um, it used to be known as the divination of numbers. Yes. Now, we see Hermione in Prisoner of Azkaban discuss, I mean, she takes divination and then she takes arithmancy. Um, we see her sticking with arithmancy and n dropping divination. Um, do you, what do you think this kind of shows about Hermione, her choice of understanding the future? I think it's a way for her to understand it just because it's right there in your face. Mm -hmm. You can't, it's not really up to, oh, this is what I see, and somebody else can see something else. Mm -hmm. It's right in your face. It's, these letters have certain numbers to them, and when you add them together, you get one particular number, and there's no other choice. This is what you get. It's automatic. It's logical. It's cuts to the point. So, and I think that's pretty much what Hermione likes, is she likes something evidential in her face mm -hmm. saying, this is exactly how something is. So, it's something that's not really left up to perception. It's, it's black and white it's just right there which is more exactly it's, yes more, so, more something that Hermione can get her hands on which yeah. we see is something that she likes now um, Joe, as she often does with some of her magical creatures and some of the stories that she has uses things that are based in the muggle world in her stories um, mm -hmm. is there sort of an ancient tradition of arithmancy kind of in our current muggle world Definitely in our current muggle world, one of the bigger, um, if you go into like Barnes and Noble, you'll see 
you know, a shelf upon shelf of uh, divination practices. And one of the bigger ones is numerology, which is based on the same practices of assigning numbers and coming up with a number to explain who somebody is. Um, it's just so definitely arithmetic is something that we still see in today's society mm-hmm. and people use, um, you know, you can just go out and get the information. You can do a search for numerology or arithmetic on the web and you come up with pages upon pages. So it's definitely something that fascinates the world. I think still to this day, cause it does help us understand who people are at the core, not what people are just on the surface. Now, did you say how long it's been around for? been around, around since Greek philosophers. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even think there's a name when, you know, they were studying math and geometry and whatever else, other math they studied in ancient Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been, it's been around since ancient Greece. It's one of the f- first forms of uh, divination that we see by the scholars because we know that with Greece, the philosophers were really important and there it was the philosophers and the mathematicians at that time who came up with this form of divination. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been around for thousands of years. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, you say that arithmetic is more like determined, you know, the numbers equal things that are, they're not up to interpretation. Um, yeah. Is there any way that kind of these numbers can help us understand um, the characters more, the story more, different things like that? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's some people would probably disagree with me on it, mm-hmm. but I believe so. Um, it Anything of who that the potential of that person could be. Um, Cause a lot of times, you know, you have a long explanation like with, you know, of what this number represents, but a person doesn't represent everything in that, but there's a positive and negative to everything. And in arithmetic and numerology, there's positive and negatives on everything. And either person can really, really incorporate the negatives of something or the positives. Mm-hmm. And um, it really helps us understand, okay, if this person was more positive, this was, this is who they could be. And uh, do you have examples of positive and negative characters in the story? One of the best examples I found in the story is um, Harriet and Neville. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we already know that the two of them are connected yeah, because of um, the prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're born one day apart. They were the two choices for Voldemort to choose between of who was going to be the person he made his, basically his me- nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Character-wise, Harry and Neville, when you do their numbers, have the exact same destiny number. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have the same destiny number and they have the same character numbers. So, and if they both says that, you know, the positive is their leaders mm-hmm. and they could, um, they are leaders, they're peacemakers. And then, you know, you have the other side of it where, um, Neville is, he's weak, but you see him whenever he really comes into his own, when he starts getting confidence mm-hmm. in himself, which is basically what Harry already is. Harry is the confidence that Neville doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their first names, they have the exact same number for their first names. They both have, um, the numbers that correlate to the letters of their name, both come up to, uh, the number seven, which we know is a very important number in the series. But when you add their last names and their middle names in, you get the number five. And, um, 
you know, it's it's people who are important to uh, the series and to um, helping other people out. So now to get these numbers like A would equal one, B would equal two, C yeah. would equal three. Okay. And then Yeah, there's nine numbers. Um and you basically go down the alphabet A to um I can't remember what the number is. <laughs> um A to I is the one through nine and then you mm-hmm. do J to R and then S to Z and there is no third letter for the number nine. So, yeah, that's how you just assign the number, and then you add them together. Very simple. And then if you get a double digit, you add it in again. Just add those two until you oh, get okay. a Until you get a single digit number. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Now, um, you were mentioning that the book, the number seven was very important in the series, as yeah. also is in nature. Yeah. Um, is there any other sort of um, specific numbers in the books that you see as important? Um, any other direct ties to arithmancy? Well, I, I think most people would say the number three is probably the next most important number. Yeah. The number three, I mean, just all throughout mythology is, I mean, just to go off the top, religion and mythology, to go off the top of your head, you have the Holy Trinity, you have the, um, the Virgin Mother and Crone. The mm-hmm. three fates, the three graces, the three roots of the world tree in Norse, Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. The trident, the three wise monkeys from wow. China. Um, in mythology, there's only three cyclopses that are ever mentioned that represent thunder, lightning, and lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. So in, in the series, you, of course, have the trio. Mm-hmm. And then um, bringing in Quidditch, you have the three chasers and the three goals. Mm-hmm. So you have the three goalposts for them to uh, score in. So now you, know. um, you mentioned the number four also. It is important. Um, four is a number of balance and equality mm-hmm. because, you know, to hold up a table, you really need four legs because it yeah. makes it a little bit more even and balanced. And when you put something on it, it's not going to tip one way or the other. So, but the number four in um, mythology and a lot of uh, spirituality is a number of complete and utter balance. So, which is a number we find connected to uh, Ginny, actually, when you do the numbers together. Now, um, the last point we kind of want to discuss was the fun and the connection. Yeah. There's a lot of fun in the connection, just, you know, out of the blue, reading it and coming up with some really quick things. Um, in Prisoner of Axaban, there's 22 chapters. And, of course, when you add two and two, you get four, which is the four marauders. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Prisoner of Axaman, you have the number 13 crops up a lot, and we know that's a bad luck, considered a bad luck number, mm-hmm. but that's also another four that's constantly being creeped up into the series. You know, they're 13 years old um, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And Goblet of Fire, there's 37 chapters, and um, you're in book four. Order of Phoenix, the same way, you have 38 chapters, and you're in book five. Um, but like the number 12, it's, I've been having fun reading, reading Order of the Phoenix and finding all the connections to the number 12 in it. Mm-hmm. Cause you have 12 Grimald plates, oh, true, but yeah. then you have Mr. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Weasley's attacked in chapter 21. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Filch tells Dumbledore 462 times that no magic in the corridors. And when you add those to get together, you get number 12. Mm-hmm. The classes start in chapter 12, and the first homework assigned to them for the year is 12 inches of parchment by Snape. So I have, I'm having a lot of fun finding all these little numbers in there. So, Wow. Now, um, you mentioned that Professor Snape was the first one to assign homework. Um, is there any particular significance kind of in the numerology of Snape? Um, yeah. Snape's social, the way he's viewed and the way he is on the inside are both ones, which um, basically are very independent, focused, and determined people. 
So they're a solid Terra unit, um, and they can be considered self-centered, egotistical, and domineering. Well, so wow, that really tells us who Snape is. Uh, yeah, so, that, that pretty much matches up there. Yeah, but the interesting thing is his his uh, character of who he really is is a two, which also represents balance and two-way communication mm-hmm. and um, cooperation. So. Um, I think that really tells us if with him being a, a double secret agent that he is going back and forth between Voldemort and Dumbledore, you know, that really shows uh, his two way communications. He's going back and forth and he's, you know, putting himself out there mm-hmm. really to, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, the two also introduces the idea of conflict and opposing forces and a contrasting see. side of things. Mm-hmm. So, and that really with what Snape's doing for Dumbledore and Voldemort is kind of very, very that he's, uh, he's fighting, he's playing on both sides, which is yeah. a very dangerous game. Now ready for a live or die. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not ready. Um, how about Ginny? Ginny, I would like her to live, basically, because she is one of my favorite characters. I, I really, I can't say, even think about saying that, you know, she wouldn't survive. So, I want her to live. <laughs> Good to hear. How about Draco? Oh, Draco. Draco, Draco, Draco. Um... I think he needs to live with his decisions. I think he mm-hmm. needs to grow up and, and learn to be his own man. So I, I, it would be nice for him to live and to repent for his ways. How about Snape? I think he's going to die. Okay. I think the position he's played in the, in the story, no matter what, he'll end up dying in the end. Mm-hmm. How about Greyback? Fenrir Greyback. <sighs> he's a disgusting man. He needs to die. <laughs> He's 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 too he's too evil to let live. So I hope he dies. Okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I know I learned a lot. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank right. you. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. And now it's time for Canon Conundrums, featuring special guest Steve Vanderark from the Harry Potter Lexicon. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. Who could possibly figure that out? Welcome, welcome to another Canon Conundrums, everybody. Canon Conundrums. I'm here conundrums. with Sue and our usual friends here. Say hello, usual yep. suspects. Steve Vanderark here of the Lexicon. Guru. Guru's Is here! He? Yeah. <laughs> See, I want to have a single name. Gurus like Madonna I know it. That's just not fair. I don't even have that yet. Yeah, although there are some people that just use one word for me, but we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) Ark. I'm going to, from now on, your Ark. There we go. Ark. And I'll stick with Stu. What are we talking about? Yeah. What are we talking about? I want to hear the rundown from Ark. Oh, the rundown from Ark. Stegeev. That's actually what I end up calling myself online a lot because I mistype my name. But okay, um, the rundown. Today we're talking about uh, Sybil Trelawney. Yeah. Sybil Trelawney. And the question is is she a fraud? Aww. Is she a fraud? If you ask Hermione, of course, the answer is well, yeah. <laughs> or <Duh>. Harry. <laughs> But uh, And just a complete side note, still have not figured this out, and I have been trying to figure this out for a couple of years now. Why 
Sybil is spelled differently in the British edition than it is in the U.S. edition. Oh, good. Mm. You know, we actually get e- weird no, we actually get emails about that, and and, it, and that's so. Yeah, it's just I great. Don't know why? It's just spelled differently. I mean, who knows? No particular reason that I can figure out. So, you guys, you know, next time we get a chance to talk to Cheryl or whatever, we need to we need to find out why, the answer okay. to that lovely little conundrum. But now let's get into the good stuff. <laughs> is good she, stuff. Is stuff. she a fraud? Is she a fraud? Wow. Is she a true well, seer? Well, what is the thought to think she's a fraud? Is from the lessons we've seen in the classroom when she's talking about Grimm's and the nonsense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but you know what? Yeah. That's what I we're actually going think she was with. right about the Grimm. And maybe I'm just the yeah. only goofball about that. But, you know, the Grimm is the dog, and that was Mr. Sirius Black's, right. you know, Animagus. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So, so what you're saying is that that even in her messy little muddly whatever she does in her class, mm-hmm. there's a grain of truth. I do. I think is that what you're saying? Sue? I think she's. You know, I've I've heard her describe this many many times that she's like an accidental seer or an accidental yeah, exactly. And I think that that she's, describes her perfectly because I think sometimes she's way often sherry soaked land and other times i think she's you know right on like you know she said that yeah. thing about the grim and you know it was real dramatic and everything but it was it was right and well i don't know kind of right kind and of sort of that that uh, and then the pure talent explained to us what the grim was yeah and <laughs> the, yeah, the third yes, film was <laughs> the most important addition <laughs> the but, person that we don't no, know think, who that was <laughs> I think his name's Frank. <laughs> Frank, the random, random um, student. But, yeah. yeah. But no, I think we make the distinction between those sort of predictions and obviously the yeah. prophecy. Yeah. Right. She's a seer and in all that sense, things, right? So, so is, she a, is she a seer? If, if we, in that sense, what you're saying then, I think, is she is a seer or she has been twice, briefly. Well, but all I the mean, rest of the time she's not? Is that, what you're, is that what you're saying? I'm thinking those other times are something different yeah. because I think that might be just Joe making these scenes a little ironic a little interesting because really didn't haven't people uh talked about how even ron and harry get some of their predictions mm-hmm. right yeah. even when they think they really have no idea what they're doing don't they tend to the things right. they say sort of make sense like things that happen i have heard that I, well but then would that, that be, would that be evidence of the with, fact would that be evidence of the fact that that they have some tiny little amount of that magical ability in them Either that, or maybe they're just kind of accidentally or ironically stumbling upon. Uh-huh. So you're saying that it's a device right that Joe stuff. is using. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. it's something Joe's doing. I think it's a lot different than when she goes, you know, bonkers yeah. and gives the prophecy. Yeah, I, I, I love mm-hmm. how Joe has created Trelawney. She's always she's one of my favorites, just because I think Joe uses her so well as like a literary device, and if that makes any sense, that sometimes yeah, oh, absolutely, especially in book six. Yes, exactly, right, Steve. I just thought she was so, especially in book six. Now that I've gone back and read right. it again, you know, the use of those cards and the sherry bottles, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, her, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. hiding the bottles, and mm-hmm. lo and behold, it's the room. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was just. Right. So awesome. <laughs> well, that's a good yeah. and interesting part of the book where she's she's looking at these cards and here she is, something about her, this is how I see it anyway, her some of her seeing ability or whatever it is that's innate is she's drawing the right cards and she's getting the right signs, but mm-hmm. because she's I don't know, the way she is, she she wants to see things in her way and she's not believing them because like it, it's like she doesn't even trust in her own actual ability. She's she, she right. trusts more in this thing she's created. Right. This 
you know, this mysticism and this sense well, yes. there. And I think you're right on the money there. I, I, one thing that I, that struck me, especially in book six is that she is completely filled with self doubt. She doesn't believe that she can see. Yeah. And so she's trying to bluff her way through it. She knows she's supposed to almost because she's the relative of whatever. And Santa. she thinks she has this gift, but, but she just, she just doesn't even trust herself. Just like yeah. you just said. I think that's key because she's walking along. And she says, no, that can't be right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it was. It was exactly right. And look at you how, know? I mean, her drinking obviously got a lot worse over the course mm-hmm. of the books that we know her in. And I don't know if, you mm-hmm. know, the whole Umbridge, you know, trauma of that mm-hmm. year probably. She'd drive me to drink. That probably had a lot to do with that. <laughs> because, you know, it, it is, is she kind of like a, you know, when we first see her, she seems so sure of herself. Is she doubting herself even mm-hmm. then? Or, you know, does it mm-hmm. come later? I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, but, you know, the, another thing about Trelawney, too, is that, you know, sometimes you actually do doubt her. I mean, she's in that room with all that perfume, and she's got that stereotype, all those shawls, sure. and just, you know, the whole, like, Miss Cleoac going on there, and you just kind of <laughs> think, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, that it, yeah. she, it, but then other times, she, and, and I'm not really sure, and I think I like the difference, too, between her and having, is it friends that's the new Mm-hmm. That's co-teaching this year. The centaur. Yeah. The centaur. You know, because there are two different kinds of divination yeah. going on, and and and. Right. You know, I don't know. Yeah, we have some lovely, lovely stuff about the two different approaches to divination in the lexicon. Both of them yeah. coming from the point of view of they both have their value. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting, but but. You know, I'm I've, I'm not so sure that she is what I would call an accidental. Seer. Okay. I I think. And this is, again, uh, not, uh, every time we bump into these things, as soon as we start talking, I start getting all these new ideas from you guys mm-hmm. that I hadn't really thought through before. But I always looked at her as actually being correct and trying desperately to figure out how to get people to listen to her. Mm-hmm. And I see mm-hmm. that. I, I, I think that she she sees. I don't know that she sees clearly or that she quite knows how to put it in terms, but I think she really does. And I think she does more often than just those couple times that she had a big revelation, but she doesn't have any personal skills to get that message across. I think that, uh, that part of it is Joe is trying to give the, um, the message that divination is never clear, yeah. that a yeah. prophecy is not clear, that she can say things which you can see them as correct or you can see them as not correct. Trelawney's case, she happens to be correct a lot of the time, but because divination is such a, as somebody put it, a woolly subject yeah. that, that yeah. people don't believe it even when it's true. See, I don't know. I have a hard time agreeing that she's correct. I think there's sort of at least two levels here. There's what you see and she seems to be really good at seeing the signs. Like she picks out the grim right away, but she sees it as mm-hmm. the grim. She doesn't realize you know, what it really is. Maybe if she took more time to, higher level. to look there, she'd, you know, see something else that, you know, that it's an animagus or, or something else having to do with Sirius. Or, she seems to, this is just my impression. I mean, it, it's hard to know, but it seems like she, she really picks up on, you know, whatever it is, these sort of divination vibes going through the air. She sees things really well. She pulls the right cards, et cetera, et cetera. But she, she tends to discount them or, or, you know, read them the wrong way. So it's it's kind of like there's a second level of applying what she sees that, that I think, sure. think she's really poor at. And I think actually, yeah, I, I, that actually I think is what I was saying. Uh, okay. In that, for example, the Grimm, she's right. 
She sees the grim, but she doesn't have the skill to turn that into an actual prophecy, just like the prophecy about Voldemort. That one is so vague and so easily read in many different ways. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Nobody has that skill. Yeah. And I think part of it is Joe is saying, you know, yeah, you can have a prophecy that still doesn't help because you you can't interpret it. And that's exactly where she's at. She sees Grimm but doesn't understand that she there's no way to know that that's actually, you know, Sirius Black in his animagus form. Well, maybe there is. You see I what think, I'm saying? I think that's probably maybe what what we're seeing is perhaps Joe uh helping arc this whole idea talking about prophecy, talking about predictions is that someone's destiny is not always, you know, mm-hmm. set and the whole idea that it's our choices that count mm-hmm. to, to what our futures hold. Yeah, that's a good thing to bring up. I think that the central person who is supposedly, you know, someone who can make predictions is in this book Trelawney. For her to be mm-hmm. uncertain, I think, is to make help make that statement that that yeah, maybe right exactly that's agree. good. That's Let me ask really you good. this: Do you guys think that you know in in book six, I thought that she had a very pretty large part, but what do you think in book seven that she'll even be much of a a, a factor at all in book seven? You know, I mean, because because huh. basically, you know, I was worried about her at the going out at the end of Hapla or. Um, Order of the Phoenix, I thought, you know, that's who Voldemort's first going to go for, is try and kill her because of the prophecy. And then we saw... Right. You think you yeah, want to kill her? I can't yeah. figure out why he, she needs protection. Uh, well... Because be, well, she doesn't remember her prophecy. Well, yeah. Right, but he but Voldemort has no idea that this woman can't do that at will. And maybe he, maybe he could get it out of her. Maybe even. Voldemort yeah. would... Well, that, and maybe he'd try to force her to make more predictions about what do I have to do for this. <laughs> yeah, that works well. Just ask <laughs> well, yeah, what, <laughs> Predict exactly. something, please. Well, Voldemort's not going to know that. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> Poor Trelawney. He's try. <laughs> I see something, you in please. great peril. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, now you're just... <laughs> but actually, and she Jim was Dale right, does probably. it so well in the <laughs> audio recording. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rumbridge was in great mortal peril. Well, you know, you know but, but so, okay, so during book so. six, though, that's what, you know, Dumbledore said, of course, they can't get rid of her because she is not aware of the great danger she's in. And, right. but then, so, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. We're to the, the, this point at the end of, 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 you know, book six. Do you think he'd even bother now at this point? Voldemort would bother with her at all? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really. The only reason I think I'm he might. I'm not sure what he thinks why. he's going to do with the prophecy anyway. The only reason I think that he might try to use her is the same reason that he might be trying to use Ollivander, is that he t- finds people of interest, tries to get them mm-hmm. to do things that could help him mm-hmm. out. And if he thinks or, or assumes. Or at least to get yeah, him out of so circulation. He if, he, if he thinks that Trelawney is actually a you know a true seer then he might try to take mm. advantage of that and when he can mm-hmm. he'll probably right. kill her yeah. so that's probably reason enough she'll drive him crazy for first do we assume woman. do we assume that Voldemort knows who did the prophecy well snape heard mm. right yeah, someone. Yeah. So unless okay. he didn't tell him. Yeah, I, I guess I'm yeah. just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, I guess I guess we're, we assume so maybe because Dumbledore. And I wonder if they would have seen Trelawney, like the the names. I'm, I guess it was just the initials. But when the Death Eaters were in the Department of Mysteries, would they have seen mm-hmm. who made the prophecy? It was like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they yeah. had time to look at it, but yeah, I think, I think they would. Know. They could. They would have been because they were there for a while. So yeah, I think so. And and Dumbledore yeah. obviously thinks so because he thinks that. Uh, she needs protecting so you know is a, is a seer something you are or you aren't or is it like you have a certain degree you know if you're a wizard 
you're like on some scale of being able to see and like how much you practice yeah. mm -hmm. these methods of divination to, you know, will affect how, how well you can do it. Or is it just like, I am a seer or I'm not, in which case, like all of this seems kind of pointless. Well, that's what it sounds like. Well, that's, that's what it exactly sounds right. like in the fact that's how that she seems to say they made it, a yeah. deal about, you know, there being seer blood in the family and that they yeah. had the grandmother. It was mm -hmm. a seer. It sounds like it's, it's some like a gift that some people yeah. have and some people mm -hmm. don't. And I think maybe they don't teach the class assuming that everybody has the gift, but probably assuming it, not assuming it, but teaching it, um, as a more of an appreciation of, of the, of the subject. Mm -hmm. That there, uh, oh. So you're sort of, sort of like sort of like doing a film study class doesn't mean you're going to be able exactly. to film. exactly. But in a, you know you could learn like better techniques okay. in a film. I, I get the impression that with the stuff they teach in divination, like you can, you know, any any wizard who you know tries hard enough and learns it could probably get something out of it. Mm -hmm. But you know there are like these. There's this mm -hmm. element where like Trelawney just seems to have this natural something that maybe. You know, this, your average run of the mill, which your wizard doesn't have, you know, which makes me think again about these, like these true, whatever they are, prophecies or, you know, when mm -hmm. she goes in the trance and everything, there were all those, those prophecies in the department of mysteries. Like, are those all coming from, right. from like seers like this, or could a prophecy like, you know, it almost seems like she's channeling something. It seems like it could come through anyone. Yeah. That's the big thing. Well, there's. Yeah. yeah, there's thousands of these things, and, and they don't really seem to be that many seers. We have no idea how old they are. Well, that's true. Those right. thousand could be from centuries and yeah. right. centuries, right? Especially when you consider right. how they long smashed that them all. down there. They smashed them all. <laughs> I know isn't that terrible. Yeah. It'd be like going into like a museum and setting paintings on fire. <laughs> Although I never Oops. understood why they kept them that way. Like, yeah. uh, you know, like you can only hear them once. <laughs> Seems kind well, of they're the magical yeah. people, for God's Just sake. Once. They can come up with a system that, like, the ground makes it so, like, things bounce off the ground and not yeah. break. I they think like a cushion charm. They couldn't they think a, of a they put them cushion all, charm. So they take all the little crystal balls, they put them on little stands <laughs> in a room yeah. with a marble exactly. floor. They're like, let's put them on what like Humpty Dumpty's wall. Humpty Dumpty oh, wall. And just see, oh. see if they'll fall over. And then it'll be Oh, my devastating. goodness me. I'm looking forward to seeing that oh, in the movie, yeah. by the way. I just love this about Joe, though, is because mm. there's it's you know it's an unexact science, and you have the naysayers. Mm. I know we talked about this just a little earlier, but I just I marvel at Joe's ability and her writing that she takes us because you know there are things that we cannot explain, and we cannot you can try as hard as you want scientifically explain things, but there are just some things you can't. And I just think that Joe does this so well, and she just you know subtly reminds us that hey, you know, it might be or it might not, or just so. Well, that's what makes all yeah. this so interesting. I mean, I think if every question was answerable, there'd be a lot less wonder yeah. about these books. And even after this last one comes mm -hmm. out, if she, you know, puts out an encyclopedia and answers every possible question that could be answered, it may make it less yeah. interesting yeah. for people who may read the books for the first time after everything kinda, is kinda out. It ruins the old lexicon. <laughs> then, it may make the whole lexicon a copyright infringement. <laughs> no! If it, if it oh. mirrors the encyclopedia. Oh, Maybe she'll just publish a book that says oh, go to HTTP. Oh, can you imagine? Hate that. Oh, Joe, we love you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, maybe, maybe some time for some final okay. thoughts about Trelawney here. Okay. Well, I think that she is an actual seer. As inept as she may be, I believe she actually... Mm. I hate to use it, possess possesses the inner eye, but I think that there's a <laughs> certain amount of... 
Hey, geez, we're talent too, but I think that she's actually a seer of some sort. <laughs> uh huh. So it's my vote. I think that a true the true seers are so rare. They seem, as they're talked about by Dumbledore, even to be sort of like almost like like a legend or like a like a myth that there are seers that walk among hmm. us, but you don't really hear about people who really do it accurately. I think that when she did give these prophecies, I mean, I I always figured that she was you know channeling the grandmother. I I don't think that's that's something that I've only figured out myself. I think a lot of people. That's think an interesting that, idea. I think that she was she mm-hmm. was channeling, you know, kind of like the movie Ghost. Yeah, yeah. You know how the, like, <laughs> yeah, Goldberg's character yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> his own out. That's why I think wouldn't it be awesome if like in book seven, Albus comes down and like you know comes in and jumps in Trelawney's body and starts talking to Harry about the prophecy. Did <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? That'd be awesome. And, like Trelawney starts talking in a deep Dumbledore voice. <laughs> Oh, immediately dear. runs over and shakes Harry's shoulders. And this is your final thoughts. Isn't <laughs> and I want that whole thing, that whole thing <laughs> in the pool. Do you hear that, Kimmy? I'm checking on this. <laughs> All the way down the page. All right, I'm done. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. God love John. Oh, love boy. You. Well, I think, I, I think, I, I'm a, I agree with Sue. I think that she is, in fact, a seer. And uh, I think that seeing ability, the inner eye or whatever, uh, the ability to do divination is a magical ability which all wizards have to some extent. And I think that most wizards don't have it very much, and wizards that have a lot of it would be called seers. But I think that if if we're talking about this kind of pseudoscientifically here, in the wizarding world, if nobody has it except a few people, there'd be absolutely zero reason to teach it at Hogwarts. And the fact that they teach it at Hogwarts and have taught it for all those years cannot be simply because he wants to keep Trelawney from getting killed by Voldemort. So I think that there has to be something there, some possibility that anybody who's got magical ability could do some form of divination, especially when they're trained up a little bit. But I think Trelawney herself, I think she has a lot more ability Mm. than she even realizes. Uh, And I come from that whole point of her looking at the cards and saying, no, that can't be right, when in fact it is. And I think that just demonstrates my my impression of her is that she is actually a lot more of a seer than than even she realizes. All right. I think I'm more or less, I'm going to end up saying the same thing, but my my opinion of her is a little different. I do think she's a fraud. I think she does see, or she has this, this talent, um, which we kind of talked about, but I think she really doesn't, she just doesn't get it. And she, she's making up stuff all the time. Sometimes, um, you know, actually contradicting what she actually sees because it doesn't seem right to her. And so I think that in that sense, she really is a fraud because she's, you know, she's kind of a charlatan. It's, it's more of a, a stage act to her. And, you know, she gets these these premonitions, and I'm gonna, you know, not even talk about the the prophecies because those are kind of in a different a, a different side thing. But you know, she 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 sees things, but she just doesn't she doesn't understand them. She, you know, maybe if she had had an actual teacher, I don't know if anyone ever trained her. You know, she seems to just sort of think that whatever she does is right because she's a seer and she has the inner eye. So um, that's kind of my impression. She's she's a fraud in how she carries herself. Okay. Mm. 
Oh well, that was a- <laughs> sorry, Trelawney. So, 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 no, that's good. So, I mean, Trelawney. and then and then we could get into another whole wonderful discussion about how well Emma Thompson. Plays oh yes, her. Oh, she's brilliant. Yes. Uh, brilliant. Just, well, we could just have a, a podcast. That's about another how scene awesome I can't wait to yes. see. Oh my. Is that when she's what? being sacked? Well, squaring yeah. off against... Yes. Oh, oh. Just, that makes oh, it, just both of them would just be brilliant. Yeah. Oh, Seen some pictures awesome. of that scene, and it's just marvelous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've, you've got to wonder if we're ever even going to figure anything more about Trelawney. With Dumbledore gone, who's left that knows much about her that would give us a reason to have more things explained to us? And uh, well, let's move on to uh, whatever. Let's, let's push on by. Thanks. Thanks, Guru and Steve. All right. Next time on Canon Conundrums, we're going to answer the the question of how much will Dumbledore's portrait be able to help Harry in Book Seven? Uh, one of those great mysteries: what the portraits are like and what the, what they're actually capable of doing. So, tune in next week to find out the answer to that. And we're back. We're back. And it's yeah. the end. It's it's the end. I was going to say mail time. But we don't have any mailbag, but it's no. The end, so we were we were going to have mailbag. So should I do a spooky because it's Halloween music? <laughs> I don't know. Well, some of you may be listening to this on Halloween night. For all we know. Oh, that's true. That's true. When is Halloween did- comes out Tuesday? And the- mm-hmm. what what's that, Sue? I didn't. I want everyone to know because there was rumors started last year. I do not Uh-oh. give out celery. I'm just saying right now. Oh um, yeah, chocolate. was that really a whole <laughs> year ago? It was. It was. And oh, you have cursed me God. ever since. I have been dogged by this rumor that I give out <laughs> lame old healthy things at Halloween. No, no, I don't. <laughs> chocolate baby. <laughs> you know it's funny because I was walking through the store just recently. And mm-hmm. I was just doing some grocery shopping, and I yeah. look, and it's like, oh my gosh, I love the peanut butter cups. And there was like this huge thing of peanut butter cups out, and I turned around and looked, and they had a huge thing of this other candy I like. And I'm like, what is the deal? Why is all this candy on sale? So I picked up some Reese's <laughs> uh, big bag and went to the thing, and I thought, I'm like, man, this is a good find. I'm pretty proud of myself. I had this good find. <laughs> and the cashier looks at me, and she's like, oh, you're, you know. Look, look at you passing out candy. And I'm like, what? Passing out candy? Oh, it's Halloween coming up. I'm like, I'm not passing out that candy. It's my candy. I bought it. So it's the stingy it's, Halloweener. Way to go. It's not like I'm going to go out trick-or-treating. I'm not going to get any candy. That's my candy. You are like the Scrooge of Halloween. <laughs> no one's going to come to my door anyway. I live in an apartment building. I'm on the 21st floor. Well, no one's going to come I mean, bother me. Well, that's true. I know you college guys, but come on, John. <laughs> well, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll stand on my balcony and throw them at people. <laughs> like Mardi Gras, here you yeah. go. <laughs> but from the 21st floor, that would probably be more of a trick than a treat. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> wax them on the head, they would fall down. And then eat the candy. After they discover what knocked <laughs> them down. And they the candy. Peanut butter cups is missiles. There you go, John. That's 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 death. <laughs> the death by Reese's. Seems <laughs> like a dessert. <laughs> you know, Melissa will hear this and she'll be like, oh. "Never let those two talk again." Well, Melissa, it. hey, it's your own darn fault <laughs> breaking her computer and all that. Yeah, that's true. I want to thank everybody who sent in some chicken soup recipes. Yay! Still a bit under the weather, but Aww. that's all I've been eating is your chicken soup recipes. 
So sure keep them, keep them coming, because otherwise I'm pretty worthless with cooking things like that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your contributions, let's get to our lovely shout-out list first, and then we'll tackle who is the Halloween special edition blog Ooh. champion. Uh, we love hearing week. from you guys on MySpace. I tell you, we got shout-outs this week from Chrissy, Nikki B, Norbert, Jess, Stephanie, Susie, Jessica, Suzanne, Brianna, Amelia, Ferry, Denise, Jeff, Audrey, Daryl, Justin, Victoria, Aaron, Daniel, Carlos, Stu, Alyssa, Rose Meredith, Rockers, Amy and Rose. You girls rock. Just hear me now. Y'all rock. <laughs> Angel, <laughs> Waffles, Jonathan, Master Woodlong, Emily... Waffles, I know, dig it. Waffles, I love these names. Emily, Nina, Natasha, Amy, Jeremy, Brett. Is it Shinner? Yeah. Lupin is my man. May, Nicole Marie, Nicolette, Joey, Katie Q, Alicia, Austin, Priscilla, Jackie, Karina, Crystal, Ben. <laughs> so I suppose that's Ben Shane, do <laughs> Of course, Ben Shane's always talking about us every week. Yeah, yeah we know, we know. Let's see, there's Christina, Emma, Krishna, Lord Jedi. And we also heard from Beck, the original Fruit Loop. Dig it. Awesome. Declan. I know. <laughs> the Beverage Babes, Austin, Daniel, Wendy, Marie. I'm a woman of many skills. Interesting. J-Leg. Oh, Captain, my captain. Oh, that's one of my favorite poems. That's awesome. I love that name. Jenny, Paige, Dogs, Holly Lime, uh, Averin. I, Averin. I don't know how to say that. What the L? Nathan and Ryan. Nice. Rocking, everybody. Thanks so much for taking that time out to uh, say hello to us on your MySpace and all the other blogs mm-hmm. and things. And I think this week's challenge was take our album art for a podcast mm-hmm. and spook it up a little bit for Halloween. Spooky. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. the grand prize winner of the prize to be determined of the... <laughs> <laughs> Blog challenge spook up the Halloween album art is a lovely lady by the name of Donne. Donne, woohoo! Good pronunciation, you supposed to? Donne from Arizona. I think so. Rock on. Whose MySpace is. Um, oh, very fast. Ah, you know, I click, the, I click her MySpace and it starts playing. Welcome, welcome I know to us. another podcast. It's like, ah, it doesn't that flip you out when you hear yourself? Me. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> Frightening. But yes, Donna, D A N A E. Very, very fun work, very cute. And yeah. uh, I believe she will already realize that she has won because her album art will be the album art of the show this week. So if she, if she turns it on with iTunes, she'll see it and she'll be like, oh my gosh, that's, that's me. And then she'll yeah. just get to this part right here, and she'll be wondering what her prize to be determined was, and we'll let her know in about 13 weeks. We had some really good ones, though. I mean, I love that people do it, but you got to do more, people. Come on. Oh, uh, yeah. So we have an honorable mention, I think. Sue found uh, yeah. an honorable <laughs> mention blog. How to, do, 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 do. Who, go ahead, Sue. Well, I don't know what her, her, it's. Uh, I forget what her name is, but she says, Can Pottercast Save the World? Yes, is the title of the blog, Can Pottercast Save the World? And it's just a little rundown about, you know, the show as she sees it. Uh-huh. I don't really have a link here because it's a really long link. Yeah. But it's funny because she mentions you, John. <laughs> well, she she as, as, refers as a back to the old Halloween oh. joke of yes. S- Serious Black 
making it. How did that start anyway? Sirius Black is he was going to be in in book six as a ghost, right? Right. Or was it then, for Halloween? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I think it was because he was going to come back as a ghost. Yeah. And, and you know, and then you were, you know, of course, as hilarious as you are. Yeah. As, <laughs> It was going to be in a sheet. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I put it on at the first New York Live podcast and promptly fell over myself. And oh, that was great. I thought like you were going to break thump. your nose. Yes. I know. For people who didn't see it, we do have the videos up, but um, John was is in this white sheet, you know, kind of looking like he's from Charlie Brown, you know, with the yeah. big cut out eyes. Well, I look perfectly and, could... like serious, though. Yeah, perfectly. It was a dead <laughs> ringer. And then, you know, we're up on this stage, this this platform stage, and John, and there's all these chairs, yeah. and there's Ben and all the people around, and, like, John's, like, standing up, and, of course, he can't see out the little eye holes, and he about falls off the back of the stage, and it was yes. just one of those moments that... <laughs> it was pure brilliance, except by brilliance, I mean, total clumsiness. But it was a good see, time. It was. You never know what's just going to happen yeah. if you go to these leaky mugs or listen to podcasts. You just never well, know. I wish I still had that sheet because there's um, a costume contest in my building this week and I have nothing to wear. <laughs> well, dude, you should have saved that. Would you, I thought you would have you know, like used it more maybe for a curtain or something. No, it was never given to me. I was just told to wear it for the moment. <gasps> they took it back? They did. It was just more Ooh. like uh, I don't know, probably I don't know what, what they did with it. But Anywho. Yeah. I hope everybody has a fun time dressing up for their Halloween parties and everything else. Next week, we will be asking you for those pictures. So take lots of pictures if you happen to dress up like a Harry Potter person. Yeah. Because that will probably be... Actually, yeah. This is time right now to announce next week's blog challenge. That's right. Let's do it. I think the blog challenge this week... Naturally, blog about us talk about you know whatever whatever you want to talk about the show yeah. but go out in the blog challenges you guys have great halloween fun mm-hmm. great halloween parties and um spread the powder word dress up like your favorite pirate characters or you know your funniest pirate characters or whoever you have were able to find a costume for and uh take lots of pictures and put them online and send them our, send them our way or yeah. if you mention us in your post we'll find them anyhow yeah, and, uh, we have our ways. We're we have ways. our magical ways. We'll send a dollish and the other orders out after it. <laughs> and we'll find your pictures and put them up on podcast.com and it'll be just a whole lot of fun. So go out and have a great time. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, whenever you have your Halloween parties. Mm-hmm. And um, take some pictures because pictures are a great way to That's right. remember things. And take pictures, eat lots of chocolate, and keep those dementors away. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, I, I don't think we completely screwed up the show without Melissa. But no, we didn't. I we were pretty calm. Pretty we good. will welcome her back next week. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And until then, this is the John and Sue show. Just go. You're wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great week, guys. Have a great week. Happy Halloween. Have Happy a great week, Halloween. Bye. Go Hufflepuff. No Hufflepuff. Oh, that's what I'm dressing up. I had to get it in. Hufflepuff. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. What's <laughs> my mission? My spooky mission? Dobby is free. Oh, and about time too. We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now. If you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. 
Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. 